Well, season's greetings, everyone. Uh, <laughs> no, it would have so much better if it was season three, because then it could have been season's greetings. Oh, that would have been that would have been much better. But for yeah. shame. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Ho ho ho. It's what February. What <laughs> Hope everyone had a happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> So if you're not sure what we're doing right now in in, the, in your feed here, this is season four, episode one of our Link Legacy podcast, guys. Yay! Wow. All right. But Chris, don't I have to listen to the first three seasons to understand what's going on? No. You see, Steve, this is an anthology show that features new GMs, new PCs, and new stories. Wow. That sounds great. Yeah. I'm Chris, your GM for this uh, season. And here in the studio, we've got a freaking star-studded cast of players. Look at you guys. Wow. Ho, ho, ho. Would you look at us? Yeah, just look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? Star studded. Yeah. Yeah. That's a word, I guess, for this. I think the, the Bestow <laughs> Curse listeners will be very familiar with the cast. <laughs> yes. Maybe. I guess. <laughs> they might have heard us before. I but not our new characters. Where? Mm. where could you listen to that? <laughs> One wonders. The mind boggles. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, we got a real treat for you guys this season. All right. We're going to be playing Malevolence, which I think is our very first Pathfinder second edition venture on Link Legacy. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Yes. Malevolence is a horror themed 64 page module written by none other than James Jacobs himself. Ooh. Mm, the old JJ. Yeah. He's got a lot yeah. of good stuff to his name, including this. Including this. This is part of the good stuff. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see about that, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, you just spoke a big game at the top, right? At episode one, spoke yeah, a big game. I did. Well, That'd listen, listen. This this season, on a scale of one to carrying crown for horror, you know, I think it's going to be up there at malevolence, roughly malevolence. Roughly there. malevolence. <laughs> <laughs> on the one to carrying crown continuum, it falls on malevolence. Malevolence. Yeah, yeah. That so explains a lot. Make of that what you will. <laughs> what type of horror is this? Is it just general like? Is it gothic horror like carrying crown? You know what? I'm not going to answer that. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Interesting. I'm gonna let let us untangle that as we get into this adventure. Get into the GM yeah. chair and won't tell us anything won't now. Tell us anything. <laughs> we'll show us the cover. That is something. So I will say that like my GM style is I am very focused on like information retention, like locking that down and only giving it out at like actual points in the story. I don't know. It's this weird obsessive thing to like contain the information and make sure it's parsed out at the right time. He's a real yeah, don't show, don't problems. tell GM. Yeah. Well, uh, show at the right times, tell at the right times, you know? That's what, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, how are you guys feeling? You ready to hop into this? I, I'm really excited to get to your characters. You guys have some great characters planned for this. And so as part of this intro, I want to get to that reveal. That sound good? I think that sounds great, Chris. Yeah. I'm yeah. Excited. I never get to play in horror. Yeah. I think the listeners, if if you've listened to Carrying Crown, I think that parts of this should hopefully feel like an homage or a tribute to that kind of horror. So, uh, or parts of the parts of those books, I think you guys are going to see some similarities there. So I'm excited for that. Experiencing that in Tui. Vampires and werewolves. You got it. My chance. You got it. <laughs> and that's it. Hell yeah. So we are beginning our adventure in Ravenel. Um, this is a region in Galarian that was once the northernmost territory of Cheliax until it gained its independence from them somehow. Who's to say maybe a bunch of like rebels or something did something in the How past. How the hell did they do that? I don't know, but it's happened. And today we find ourselves on the north end of the capital city of Kintargo in Ravenel in the Harbor District. 
you can picture a bright morning, the sun's rising over the water, there's not a cloud in the sky, there are ships sailing in and out of the harbor slowly with the cause of seagulls filling the air. If you look into the city proper of Cantargo, there's grand castles and temples that are just towering over the rest of the buildings there, just beautiful emblems of Chalaxian architecture. But you guys aren't here to sightsee today. You're here to meet one Ramona Zarwin, who is the owner and proprietor of a shipping company known as Raven's Run. Some of you might have found her advertisement about a job, others you might have reached out to directly, we'll get into that. But regardless of what your circumstances are, each of you is scheduled to meet with her today around 9 a.m., which, when you look at the time, it's just about 15 minutes from now. So my question for all of you guys right now is, which of your characters do you think is the most punctual or like, you know, habitually early to events? I think my character has been awake for four hours now. Okay. He's on that, he's on that old man grind time. My character, not necessarily early, but will be punctual. I think we're in the same boat here. Mine, mine is probably not going to show up too early, but ain't going to miss the call time. Okay, okay. Uh, my character will be flying in, like, right when everything's supposed to start. Okay. Maybe a minute after. So I think I think Griffin's character is up and at him early and is getting here the first. So... Your character finds the building. It's a two-story establishment that's right on the water's edge by the docks. When you first step in, the first floor of this building is filled with like these crates and barrels of maritime sundries. The wooden floor is gritty with sand and salt of people going in and out. And further into the room, you can see an o- another old, well-weathered man who is sat at the table. He looks to be uh, stitching a sail, just sat there peering closely at his work while he's puffing on his pipe. And to your right, a set of stairs leads up to what you presume would be the second floor. So who does this old man see when he looks up from his work? As the door opens and maybe the shop bell rings, you hear step, step, clunk, step, step, clunk, as an elderly hunched knoll, still with his hunch, kind of ducks through the doorway. In his prime, he might have been seven feet tall. He hobbles into the room, smells the scent of pipe smoke. You see his nostrils flare at his grizzled muzzle. He looks like he once had a full coat of thick black hair, but around his hands and around his face and especially around his nose and eyes, it's gone white. He wears traveling garb, but it looks to be more refined, maybe even the robes of some sort of magician. And his staff is held in his gnarled and clawed hand. It's this dark wood, and this serpent is carved up its heft. At the top, there's the head of a demon. He pats his sides as he he kind of comes in out of the day making sure to have his spell book by his side and his other sundries still on him. He knows that walking through a city and looking maybe as vulnerable as himself might have left him open to an opportunist. He stretches, cracks his back, looks over at the other old man. They didn't say there'd be so many stairs, but I assume that's where I'm headed. (laughs) Good day, sir. Good day to ya. Aye, Ramona's waiting up there. Oh, she's meeting with her crew up there, but she'll be with ya in a minute. 
Should I meet her up there or should I stay down here? Plenty of barrels around here to sit. You could keep me company while you wait. That does sound like something I'd be interested in. <laughs> uh, my feet aren't as sure as they used to call them. That's for certain. You and me both. And he sits down with a creak. He can almost hear all the joints in his body kind of pop. And he lays his staff across his lap. And after a few moments, he appears to doze. Okay. <laughs> Never one to waste a, a wink of uh, good sleep, huh? Apparently not. Are you playing someone who's like 95? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the life expectancy of your average Noel is about 60. Okay. So hey. what, you're like 59? He's a stout 75. Oh. Ooh, oh. Wow. Aged beyond his years. So would you mind giving us your your name and uh, some stuff about your character, like the class and everything? Sure. Like he, he like yeah, the ABCs. Almost. ABCs. Uh, his name is Sir Cuthbert Surefoot. He is a Knoll Spellseeker Magus. Wow. Well, secrets of magic action going secrets on here. Of magic. Well, the time passes as the old man turns back to his his stitching on his sails and Sir Cuthbert. Catches a little bit of sleep. Around the same time, a couple other people arrive here. I imagine you guys, if you're all punctual or try or getting there right about the same time, who's walking in the door first? First walking through the door, you might not notice her unless you're looking directly at the door because she enters quietly. She's wearing a dark cloak and is kind of hugging the shadows as she very expertly moves across the room she has underneath her cloak very dark leathers on as well and you can see by her sides are strapped a variety of weapons she herself if you peer under her cloak has very smooth skin free from blemishes and it's actually kind of difficult to tell how old she is she has kind of a timeless look to her uh, one of the things that really stands out is her shimmering tattoos or what look like blue tattoos that are covering her body. She has them running down her arms, her legs, down her neck. And the most prominent one is horizontal across her forehead. And if there's any noise in the room before she turns her head, you can almost see like the shimmer moves that direction um, before she takes a look at the noise. And in some places you could almost see like underneath her skin, it looks almost gray, like metallic, where it's getting very thin in a few places. And she slowly makes her way over to the table. Hello. <laughs> you stuck up on me. <laughs> Quite quiet. That is one of my primary skills. Mm. I was told to meet Ramona here. Ah, uh, yes. I have been waiting for Ramona as well, but... Well, she hasn't descended the stairs, and <laughs> you know me, my knees. <laughs> I'm not heading up there anytime soon. Hmm. So I was told by this fine gentleman over here with the pipe smoke that maybe we could just wait, and she'd be down when she's ready. He puffs a, a small cloud of smoke in acknowledgement. Hmm, a ring. One ring means yes. <laughs> what an interesting dialect. I will join you. And she sits down. Now, uh, what is your name, my dear? My name is AL3X-A. Many other humanoids 
have difficulty pronouncing my name. Therefore, you may call me Al. Al? I like Al. A-L-3-X-A is... It's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> as you'll hear, my, I'm Sir Cuthbert Surefoot. Mine's a bit of a mouthful as well. I'm not very sure-footed anymore, so... There's no need. And I'm... Well... <laughs> I'm quite retired as <laughs> it comes to knighthood. You can call me Cuthbert, or Bert for short, if you'd like. It is a pleasure to meet you, Bert. Well, the pleasure's all mine. So, I am playing an android, if you couldn't tell already. Uh, she is a rogue slash investigator. Amazing. Uh, not too long after you make your entrance and the two of you begin talking, the door opens once more and there's a figure that's framed by the light, you know, coming in off the street from behind him. And as he steps in and your eyes kind of adjust, he's not backlit anymore. You see, it would be strange to see this man in Galarian because he exists in real life here. I cast this gentleman as uh, present day Timothy Oliphant. Um, he's a, a man who's maybe just past middle age, but truly I'm not sure. He carries his years very well. Got kind of a salt and peppery looking slicked back hair, but maybe more salt than pepper. Um, and he's wearing this Ghostbusters-esque gray jumpsuit, kind of like a coverall situation with rubber gloves and rubber boots. There's a logo on the left breast of this jumpsuit. Uh, you wouldn't know this at the time until later, but there's, this logo also is on the back and a little bit larger. The logo looks like a, a fly swatter over a spider web. And above that icon, it says Abuela and Son Pest Control. I'm going to give the quick ABC of this character, and then he's probably going to start talking to you folks. Of course, he's presenting as a human, but he is in a naughty. So one of the spider shifter people uh, background is an animal whisperer, and I am a summoner with the sorcerer dedication. So as he walks into the bar, he kind of looks left and right. He's pretty sure of himself. He carries himself well and walks over to this group. Now, it looks like quite a fine gathering of people on this fine morning. You don't need to flatter us. Ah. Well, you carry yourself quite well, my friend. I heard that there was some vomits that needed to get taken care of, and you called upon the services of one abuela and son pest control. I am here to deliver. Uh, are, are you perchance looking for uh, Ramona Zarwin? Perchance I am. Well, that is correct, my fine friend. She is yet to she is yet to meet with us. I think she might be busy upstairs. But uh, you're welcome to wait with uh, myself. I'm Sir Cuthbert Shorefoot. <laughs> you can call me Bert for short. Pleasure to meet you, and Madame. My name is A L three X dash A. I will call you Alexa for short. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, there it is. <laughs> If you would like to give me a new nickname, just say, Al, I have a new nickname for you. Al, keep your present nickname. If you have already got one, it may be confusing for you to have two. And uh, what is your name, my friend? Ah, of course, I need to introduce myself. Or are you, are you Abuela? 
No, no, no. I am the sun in that arrangement. But you can call me Ginto Burita. Was, was that uh, Bird Eater? That is correct, with a hyphen in between oh, the two words. Uh, was, your, was your mother's maiden name Bird? And your father's last name Eater? Or? Unfortunately, I did not have the pleasure of meeting my parents. That is a name that I had given myself for reasons that I will explain <laughs> later. <laughs> Are you also in the pest control business? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> I couldn't keep up with all of all of the varmints. I'm uh, I'm in the information cataloging trade. Information cataloging. And how about you, Miss Anne? I am an investment actuary. I determine the risk and return for various investments for the Nozama Corporation. Oh, Ginto's already in over his head. He's like, <laughs> uh-oh. Uh, well, 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 that all may be the same, but perhaps it is time for me to quench my thirst. The humidity here in the Kintago Bayou is quite oppressive this morning, and I could use a sweet peach tea. We got water in the barrel over there. Water it shall be. Unless you're after something a bit stronger. Are you referring to sweet peach tea? <laughs> <laughs> yes, my friend. Have you heard of Burnett? Hmm. I am not familiar with this Mr. Burnett. Oh, it's Burnett's elixir. I do have some in my pouch while in my flask. Unfortunately, I do not drink on the job, but perhaps at 5.05 p.m. we can have this same discussion. <laughs> You're right. It's uh, nearly 9 o'clock now. All right. So, and he would, I guess, also sit on a barrel and patiently wait for our employer to come downstairs. Barrels have terrible support. <laughs> back. You guys are waiting a little bit. You don't have to wait much longer because the, the fourth member walks through the door just now. Yes, and I walk through the door and immediately, I'm a late. Uh, it's Emiliano. Uh, now you see it, now you don't. It's demolition. Am I late? Uh, late for what? What are you here for? The meeting with Ramona. Ah, uh, she has not come downstairs, I, and I've been here for like an hour and a half. Perfect. I was paying attention the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Sharp as a tack. That is a lie. How would you know? <laughs> You did not notice when I entered the room. Well, that's a testament to your skill, milady. <laughs> <laughs> not to my lack of perception and acumen. Where are my manners? It's a pleasure to meet you, Miss Emiliano. My name is Ginto Bird Eater. He's saying it real fast. It's Bird Eater. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 my friend. This is how we all talk in Kentago, the bayou. <laughs> Haley, who are these people seeing? Yes, that's what I was trying to get to. We need to do that. (laughs) Yes, so Emiliana would actually um, put a hand out to, you know, shake hands and and a greeting, and you'd notice webbed fingers. And actually, her whole body is kind of a tinted, darker blue with some, like, pearlescent white. Again, Emily and I did not know this was going to happen, but kind of like tattoos and top of her. <laughs> <laughs> and those kind 
kind of go up and down arm and leg, and notably leg as you can very obviously see that one of the legs is a clockwork. So it's kind of this uh, whirring, buzzing uh, machine. And actually you hear other kind of whirring and, and like gear movement, but you're not quite sure where I guess that's coming from. <laughs> and she's wearing a cloak over uh, her head and it just looks a little damp almost, almost like there was rain outside. She's got her hood up and kind of like some short cropped, lighter colored hair, but uh, the hood is is kind of wet, hair's a little bit wet. It looks like it was, it would have looked the way that it would if it was raining. <laughs> You can see Cuthbert, like, the second you get close to the table, both of his rounded hyena ears, every time he hears the tick, they just twitch. Oh, no. <laughs> Al is just staring at your clockwork leg, trying to figure out how it's working. And Ginto realizes that your head is wet because of the oppressive humidity in the Kintargo bayou. Obviously, course. yes. The bayou's, <laughs> the bayou's in Kintargo, yes. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, so I apparently just get stared at. <laughs> My dear, has the has the weather changed outside? It was a bright, sunshiny day when I arrived, <laughs> however early. It's a cooling method. Damp cloth will keep you cool all day. Oh, so you did it on purpose? Yes. I, I see. And that doesn't interfere with... Um, you don't have a book like me that you need to keep dry or any, anything on your person? I mean, there are a lot of proofing waxes. Oh, right, right, of course. Uh, uh, and you said you were in demolition, correct? Yeah. I, I didn't realize we were, uh, we were going to demolish anything. <laughs> that is one way to eradicate a pest. It's always an option. Don't count it. Are you plan B or... I'm hopefully plan A. I, we shall see what all of our purposes are here. I would respectfully ask that you stay out of my business, which is cataloging the information that might be found there. For if you were to destroy it before I could discern its value, that might, well, that might upset me and my employer. I agree. There are a great many things that can be lost in an explosion. We need to investigate fully ahead of time. I can do controlled explosions. And just then, <laughs> you guys hear a creak from the door upstairs and the sound of boots. And a moment later, uh, several people walk down the steps. The first two people coming down the stairs, one is a black feathered tangu. He is dressed in very brightly colored naval uniforms, a very gaudy look, if you would. Uh, as he comes down the stairs and, and sees you all, he greets you. He tips his tricorn hat, in, in fact, to mm -hmm. all of you. Yeah. Uh, there's a peacock feather that's stuck in it that bounces slightly as he does, and he squawks to you all, uh, Mrs. Arwen, we'll see you now. Is it weird for one type of bird to wear the other type of bird's feather? Maybe it's like, uh, not going to make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps it is, it, it is a, a lock of hair of a long-lost loved one. That's, a, that's, a that's where my mom was going. <laughs> Of course, yes, we were all thinking the same thing. You know, peacock feathers like that normally come from the ass of the bird. That is true. Oh, before we go upstairs, my ABCs, because we didn't do that. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Uh, yeah, so my ancestry is an Azarkati, so that would make sense. Webbed fingers, gills, wet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
<laughs> my background is saved by clockwork. We will get into that later, but you can see my leg. Mm. And my class is an inventor. It's very, very mechanical over here. Actually, very mechanical on this side of the table. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of technology. The other figure to come down the stairs with this Tengu also, you can see him looking at certainly your clockwork and the uh, very unique cast of characters that have gathered here on the first floor. He is a Chalaxian man with dark hair, a very severe widow's peak almost, and he's dressed in a very conservative naval uniform as well, too. You guys, I, you don't have to roll perception checks. Anyone can see this. You, you can notice that he's regarding you with a stern, you almost assume a disapproving look basically, but uh, both of these men and the people trailing them seem to be in somewhat of a hurry, and so without any further ado, they do exit the building. Uh, they don't stop to make acquaintance or say hello, and the old man looks to you all, puffing on his pipe all the while. He nods back up to the stairs and says, uh, Miss Zarwin will see you now. Oh, you should have told me an hour ago that this, I have to work up to that. <laughs> I will help you up. My, I always support the elderly. No, it's fine. It's fine. He pulls his staff off and he gets off the gir- off his barrel with a quickness that you wouldn't have suspected. Well, we should be off then. And the tapping is much quicker as he ascends the stairs. Hmm. Oh, well. So climbing the stairs, um, there is a door very close by to the landing that leads into an office. Dark wood paneling lines the room, and there are various books and papers and ledgers that fill most of the shelf and table space there. Towards the back of the room, in front of both a simple desk and behind that, windows that look out upon the docks, stands a middle-aged woman with graying hair, sporting a fine, tailored, dark green riding coat. You can see pinned to her lapel is a silver symbol depicting a raven, and she extends a hand to you all when she sees you in the doorway beckoning you in. Please come in. I'm Ramona Zarwin, your employer for this venture. Thank you all for coming. I'm I'm glad we could convene here to discuss the work at hand. Uh, have, uh, have you already made your acquaintances with one another? We certainly have. A pleasure to make your acquaintance, Miss Zarwin. Indeed, I have heard a lot about your business, and I'm very happy I could secure your 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 person for this venture. Of course. If there's a pest that needs to get controlled, You've done yourself a great service coming to Abuela and Son. And if it's out of control, I'm here. Yes, I'm I'm sure there might be a good deal of confusion about all the different fields I've gathered for this <laughs> mission. Quite. Uh, hello, Mrs. Arwen. I know uh, my people were in contact with your people, but uh, my name is Sir Cuthbert Shorefoot, and I'm here from the library. Yes, of course. I'm, sur- I'm sure that your people got wind of the, the discovery, the grant that I have, uh, have discovered, and were very quick to uh, want to understand what, what all that entails. Indeed, and to uh, catalog anything therein, uh, both for your benefit and for uh, the benefit of knowledge as a whole, if there's anything interesting. Well, I, I can't say for sure, but I certainly hope that there is. And uh, Al, of course, I, the, the people that I found out about you from spoke very highly of you. I go to great lengths to fully investigate the investment. You are in good hands. And this is just the assessment I would be looking for someone of your skills to make. So, to the matter before us. 
As you may know, Ravenel is no longer under the rule of Chelyax. And this, with this change comes a very drastic shift in policies. To this end, this new nation has started the task of sifting through decades of paperwork and documents from the prior administration to make restitutions to the families who suffered under House Thrun's rule. I understand this is a fairly painstaking endeavor, what with the maze of redactions and missing documents and whatnot, but every now and then a discovery is made. Indeed, several months ago, I was contacted by one of the legal scholars working on this effort. He had uncovered a deed for an estate and tract of land granted to my great-uncle, Yosef Zarwin. His name is spelled I-O-S-E-F-F. Pretty much the worst way you could spell that. This uh, legal scholar traced rightful inheritance of this estate and land to me, as I am the last surviving heir of the Zarwin name. And, uh, well, I must say I'm beyond curious to see this manor for myself, and I do say manor, for it apparently is an estate of not inconsequential wealth. However, my present duties running this shipping company render me incapable of visiting the property for the near future. Instead, you all must visit in my stead and assess the state of the grounds. I wish for you to conduct a thorough examination of the estate and catalog its contents. Your inspection will inform my decision to either renovate it for future affairs or liquidate it altogether. To that end, I have gathered you all here. Al, your skills are obviously useful here. Cuthbert, there may be several discoveries of which I may get to. Ginto, the property has been in disrepair for a long time, and I do worry about the uh, chance of pests and infestation that will need to be scoured out of the grounds before anything is done. Now, M, your your work is important for a specific reason. I don't wish to dredge up my family's personal affairs with you all, but I hold no love for the heartless bastard of a man that was my great-uncle. Suffice to say, he was an evil, eccentric man whose allegiances lay with House Thrun and his own fortunes over the well-being of his own family. Based on those loyalties and knowing very little else about the man... I fear you may come across any number of profane things while cataloging that estate. After you all conclude your work and make your assessment, it would please me greatly to know that whatever evils of any sort uncovered there are thoroughly destroyed. Does this all track? Yes. So you hired an explosives expert to destroy it. Little known, I actually have great a bit uh, structural knowledge. You have to know in order to... Do proper right, not to tear the whole manor down, I suppose. Correct. So, if it's in disrepair, I could make sure it's safe as well. And you wouldn't have this information brought to uh, brought to an authority on the matter? Even if it's profane in nature, can it not be learned from? Can it not be warded against for, for the future of others dealing with the repercussions of House Throne? What you say is makes sense to me. It is true that perhaps there are other things I could do, but I'm afraid that my feelings about my great-uncle are extreme, and that I consider this somewhat of a vendetta myself to see that his work, whatever it may be, whatever he spent his life doing there, for whatever reason, if it be evil, that it ceases to exist. Fair. I'm not one to begrudge the emotions of another. I understand the assignment. I usually only partner with Abuela herself. However, it seems like my new constituents bring a lot to the table. You did a great job preparing for all 
you wish to accomplish, I'm sure that we can oblige. Wonderful. Yes, I wanted to gather the best and just know that you will be paid as such. I assume that our terms across the board are, are good. I've provided you 25 gold already, which I assume you've, you've invested wisely for this trip. And upon completion and exploration of the estate and the cataloging of the work, I shall reward each of you with 175 gold upon return from your voyage. Now, a mechanical thing for you all, too. This conversation has unlocked the first of our research topics available to you all during this adventure. Ooh. Uh, listeners, this, this adventure does deal with a good, a good amount of the research subsystem in TUI. The two research topics uncovered are Yosef Zarwin himself and the Zarwin Manor. And at this point, if anyone wants to roll me a society check to recall knowledge about either of these these two topics, you get an initial check to see if you first know anything about them coming into this. Hey, Chris, I have never played with this subsystem before. Could you give me like a 30 second overview of what research looks like in 2E? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially research is, is, a, is a check or it's an action that you spend doing within a venue somewhere. Now a venue could be anything. It could be an actual library, like, like common research is. It could be a a notebook or a, a you know some some a magical uh, container fount of knowledge or whatever, but you spend some action researching something and you make a check. Now the results of that check will earn you research points, and you work your way up to a threshold of points to reveal facts about this topic. The cool thing about venues is they are a they're like these little little containers of research points basically, and so it's possible to. Uh, bleed a venue dry after researching it enough. Okay, cool. Are these separate rolls or the same? Uh, I want you to make one roll for each. Okay. So we can start with the, the manor first and then perhaps sure. uh, the, the man himself after. And there's society, right? Society, yes. I'm at a 28 with a natural 19. You can roll untrained, but I sure am not going to beat a 28. <laughs> I got a 26. Nice. Nice. I also got a 26. Wow. Awesome. So <laughs> those are all successes. Those three are successes. So you've earned, each one of you has earned a research point for a total of three research points. And you've cleared the first threshold for the manor. So from whatever public knowledge is out there already, you know that Zarwin Manor lies uh, at Crooked Cove. It is a... Uh, it was a small village on the west coast of kind of Ravenel Cheliacs. The manor was constructed around 4642, which is roughly 80 years ago. And you would know that it was abandoned around 4657, roughly 50 or 65 years ago, I believe. Now, any checks on the, the man himself? It's, it's, the, uh, it's another society check. Sure. It's a 23 for Cuthbert. A 17. And this time I got the 28. Okay, two successes, one failure. So that's that's two research points towards knowing something about the man. You don't have anything truly discernible right now. You have maybe some facts or some, some thoughts floating around, but nothing concrete just yet. Sure. Good to know. Awesome. Miss Zawin, have you secured transportation for us to the manor? I have indeed. You'll be joining my caravel on the their voyage west and south down the west coast of, of Cheliacs and, and Ravenel. 
She's scheduled to set sail at noon today, so with a there's a full manifest of goods that she is bringing down here, so you have a few hours to prepare beforehand. The crew will drop you off at the Crooked Cove, which is the, the location of the manor. They're going to continue on to their ports of call, and will return back in about a week or so to check in on you. Should you need more time, they may be able to provision you with extra supplies then. Now, you'll be under the best care of my people. You may have bumped into the captain as he was leaving earlier. He's a very sharp-dressed tengu named um, Titius Two Feathers, and her is first mate, Martin Dextley. I've trusted my life to those two before, and they've certainly returned the favor. You are in very good hands. Sorry, that was Martin yeah. Dexley? Dexley, D-E-X-L-E-Y. The, uh, the estate is about 280 miles from here, as the crow flies, on the west coast. There was once a small village there, but it has since been abandoned. I doubt you'll find any locals there during your stay. Now, now this this village you say was abandoned. Perhaps you know the reason for the abandonment. I don't like to traffic in rumors. Communities change. Some grow, some shrink, some disband. I doubt anyone truly knows the story behind that town. There's just tall tales and hogwash floating around. Do you happen to know the... A relative time frame on when the town was abandoned. Yes, about, uh, well, it's hard to tell for certain. I would say roughly 60 to 70 years ago, around that yeah. time. Concurrently with the manor. Yes, I believe so. I see. So how long are we supposed to stay? Well, I would like a full cataloging uh, of the manor's assets. Uh, I, I would like to know that if, if I were to move in there, it would be safe and... I essentially want a full appraisal. So uh, as long as you have completed a full exploration of the property, cataloged all the assets, destroyed any unmentionables that my bastard of a great uncle might have still have there or left behind, uh, you you would return after that, I imagine. How do you intend to live out there? It's, It's quite secluded. Well, I'm not sure if I'm going to live there just yet. It could be a good retirement, uh, locale for me, but... If it turns out the man is unsuitable for me, I, I shall liquidate it and the assets. Mm. I can run you a full assessment. Yes, wonderful. That's what I'm paying you to do. I have found that many humanoids, rumors, are bedded in truth. What should we be prepared for at this manner? Well, I I can't say for sure. No one's no one's been there in some time. It's It's been abandoned for quite a while, and... There's really no accounts from what happened to my great-uncle or anything like that of the sort. Even from the surrounding community? You won't find a surrounding community out there. The closest the closest uh, uh, establishment is a uh, Hell Knight Citadel about 75 miles away, I believe. It's very, very remote. I- I'm going to ask this out of character because I-, I legitimately don't remember if this came up or not. I might have missed it. Did she mention why this guy died or she know how this how her uh, great uncle died? She's not sure, actually. Oh, um, okay. Based on the time frame, she um, you would imagine that he is dead given how much time has passed. But no one's really seen or heard from them in a while. There are just these rumors about the town floating around outside, which, you know, are just who knows, just maybe just hearsay. Could we do like a. We have until noon, and I'm th- just forward thinking if we could do like a society or even a diplomacy to gather information about what the rumors were. Yes. It doesn't quite sound like she knows 100% what the rumors are. She's talking about rumors, but she seems so far removed from this that I don't know that she's going to be able to give them to us. So there are several things you can do during your time before 
the the ship leaves. That is certainly one of them. You could certainly gather knowledge with a diplomacy check. You could also treat I I, I sort of treat Kentargo as somewhat of a regional library as well too. So you could continue to do uh, maybe. I think it's. I think it's. The actual research takes about two hours, so you would have time to do a check potentially on either the Zarwin Manor or Yosef uh, Zarwin again before leaving too. Those are all options. Uh, for your knowledge, to to research more about Zarwin Manor would be a library lore check or a diplomacy check to gather knowledge as well. For Yosef Zarwin, it is all. It is a library lore or a diplomacy check. They're both the, the same, just different DCs. Okay. Well, Miss Zarwin, unless the rest of you have any other questions, I I feel we could be using this time to better prepare ourselves for the journey. Yes, maybe some of the children from Crooked Cove at some point have passed along some rumors. That could be the case. Kentargo's a large city, but I have ties to many of the the libraries across, across the world. I've been to several. I could maybe take a look... If you'd like to uh, speak to the people, I could maybe see if there's a record of something. I can speak to the people. Plus, I wouldn't much like to walk around the city if I don't have to. A nice nook in a book will be quite satisfactory for my for me. Em, if you are talking to the people, I'd like to join you. I am not one for the books or the library. I do not have particular skill with libraries. Nor do I have skill with communicating to other humanoids. Perhaps you can make sure the ship is ship-shaped, then. (laughs) (laughs) I am good at investigating leads. So could I pursue a lead and then clue in someone to give a bonus to a check? Yeah, what would you like your lead to be? Or what would you like your investigation to be about? Ooh, so... I mean, you may not know a library, but you could certainly, based off of, like, book titles, be, you know. I don't have library lore, though. I do. So oh, okay. if you were to help me. Yeah, that makes sense. Because um, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that has library lore. Yeah, we didn't get information on Yusuf, so I think that would be... Your lead's going to be Yusuf. My lead would be Yusuf, yep. Yeah, I think that makes sense to, to look into as well. Um, as you might want to look into, I don't know what you guys might find, but I'd be very curious. I don't know if it's its own research topic, but specifically the, if the rumors could get us any more information, I'm just curious if there's been like anything that's, Hey, shady stuff was happening and people ran away because the animals around town started acting weird or because, you know, whatever it is. So I am trained in diplomacy. I'm not fantastic at it, but I am trained in diplomacy. Also, just in general, if you're willing to share it, I'd love to know everyone's lore because it's always interesting. Um, mine's engineering. Yeah, mine came from my background, and I didn't talk to Chris about this beforehand. It's jungle lore. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I have library lore. Actually, Chris, can I flavor that as bayou lore? Yeah, that's fine. All right, cool. <laughs> that's fine. Take it. I have several lores. I have academia lore, art lore, and astrology lore. Yeah. Emily yeah. stacked the lores up. Yeah. Yeah. Got a lot of lore? information. I just, yeah, I got a lot of, a lot of skills. We'll tell you, Steve, cool. this adventure is like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how you'll keep from going under. Well, 
that plus five to jungle lore, I'm sorry, bayou lore, yeah. is really going to help them. Welcome to the bayou! <laughs> <laughs> Could Emily aid with academia lore? I feel like that's kind of... I would allow I would allow an aid check with academia yeah, lore. Sure. Yeah. Great. So, okay. Cuthbert has this great thing. He, as a knoll, is so used to working with others that you actually get a plus two circumstance bonus to aid him. Oh, he gets awesome. a plus two circumstance bonus to aid you. So you get a plus two on your aid roll if you want to aid him. You're part of his pack. If you're working with him, you're considered part of his pack. That's so cool. And if you are investigating the same lead um, that Al is pursuing, you get a plus one circumstance bonus. Oh, well... I don't know that that would stack with aid. Ah, okay. I think aid another is also a circumstance bonus. So you could potentially do better than yours, but I'll take the plus one because that's great. Sorry, Ginto. I only took diplomacy because I run a shop. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys uh, go have fun with your synergies. Haley and I are just going to go randomly talk to people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, we would head off to the nearest library, I suppose. I don't know if we need to roll anything or we could just figure that out. I think you can just you can just head off and figure that out. There's there's got there's bound to be a library in Cantargo somewhere. I'll, I'll let you you guys can spend two hours uh, combing through there for any record on Yosef Sarwin. Yeah. So you're pursuing a lead, and I'm gonna take the plus one. Mm-hmm. Can I make a check with the academia lore, or does it have to be library lore? It has to be library lore for this, um, but you can aid for sure. Okay. I feel like I would try to aid then, because that's a plus two, so that would be... It's a plus two with a crit success, I believe. Oh. In 2e, it, it is different. It's plus one with a success, plus so two. So your clue in may be enough to... I'll just to give you the clue in then, because then I don't have to roll. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, it's not the best, but I do get a plus one, so that's an 18 library lore. Meets beats. Ooh, clued in. And yes. spending two hours combing through this library, you think you have run plumb dry of all of the facts and details about Yosef Sarwin here. Okay. So you 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 dig up a couple mentions and records from him in in just like local local history. Yosef Sarwin is a human man who was the very first pair account of the county of Ilverness, which you know is the region that you're headed to. It contains Crooked Cove. He was married. His wife is an artist named Asathana. Spelling on that is A-S-E-T-H-A-N-N-A. And there's record of them having two children, Marnie, M-A-R-N-E-Y, and Mira, M-I-R-A. Let me know if you need any, any of that again. Respectfully, I'm going to spell Asathana differently, but that's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pronunciation might not be Dad Asathana. <laughs> that you spelling it? Oh, yeah. Dead Ath. Okay. All right. All right. So you had quite a bit of family. I mean, a decent sized family. I wonder who, who our Zarwin is related to, who Ramona is related to of his kids. Well, she said she's. He's her uncle, right? Great uncle. Great uncle. Yes. Okay, so probably not any, not directly to any of them. Yeah. So I think that was a very successful library run. Well done, Al. Thank you for your help. It was quite useful, and it kept me off my feet more than usual. Usually I'm up in the stacks, as it were. We have great research synergy. 
and kind of like walks out of the library with a pep in his step even picks up his cane and uh, like does the little Willy Wonka toss. Al sees that and smiles. She shows a few too many bottom teeth, but she looks happy. <laughs> what? Specific? <laughs> I you love know, it. like a forced smile yes. that like is oh. not quite natural. It looks a little practiced, but it's not 100% right. That's what she's trying to do. She's trying to show some emotion. I thought you meant you had too many teeth. <laughs> oh. Like, too many teeth like, in the bandable. Like several more teeth than you should have. This is where the horror starts. <laughs> <laughs> no, she has a normal amount of teeth. She just shows them weird in her smile. Okay, okay. Quite the shoony smile. The little bulldog <laughs> smile going on. So during this two-hour stretch, what are Emiliano and Ginto doing? Talking to people. Talking to people? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Attempting to be friendly. Mm-hmm. Is there a place that would be better to talk to people? Docks is a pretty good place. You got a lot of uh, a lot of people who've who've sailed the world and seen a lot of people sailing the same route that kind of goes past that place. You know, cool. Some tall yeah. tales might be around there. Let's let's look for old fishermen. The older, yes. the better. Okay, <laughs> as you've just found, the older, the better when it comes to knowledge. I'm gonna try and find the most ancient man possible on the docks. Yeah. You're you're looking by teeth, the ones who has a yeah. few, not enough teeth. <laughs> you look for. If he's unsteady on his feet, that's even better. Hey, whoa! <laughs> Easy there, young buck. All right, I've got a plus nine to diplomacy. I know it's kind of tough to aid, and we probably don't have any synergies, so it's probably not worth doing. No, we're just we're doing them. separate checks. Yeah, that's what I figured. We're hoping for the best. Yeah. Okay. I got a 22. Okay. 23. Oh, wow. <laughs> got me. I rolled very high. Nice. So here's the thing. You both succeed in gathering some information about the town. But when you meet back together, you discover that you guys have collected two very different sets of information. Oh, no. <laughs> That's either a very good thing or a very bad thing. So what Ginto hears from people is that the town was beset by either bandits or pirates, you're not sure, and that there was uh, an outside force that came in and sort of laid waste to the town. What Emiliano hears and collects is that the town was beset by violence, but it came from within. Some say that some of the townsfolk sort of got this crazed state of mind in them, and they just massacred and butchered each other. And that there was just a wave of violence that swept through and those who fled and could did and everyone else fell and perished. It sounds like no matter what, there'll be lots of corpses. Mm. Well, bones by now. In my experience, that means perhaps there were some carrion creatures who were picking over the scraps. We might have to deal with their young. Do you actually eat the birds? I do not eat the birds. Nope. No, however, <laughs> perhaps I'm getting ahead of myself. I may have named myself bird eater. <laughs> there will be plenty of time for bird eating soon. Why are you bringing Mr. Bees back? That was a low blow, okay? I, I, my heart is still tender over that. Guys, if you're not sure about what was just referenced, go back and listen to season three of Link Legacy. <laughs> I thought you said they didn't have to listen to Uh-oh. season three. No, they do. Well, now, now, we're making, now we're making references to it. <laughs> we sunk our teeth into them. So, with the time that you guys have spent, 
It is very close to noon now, and I imagine all of you are making your way back to the docks. Ramona would have told you the the boat isn't that far from her her establishment. It, it's pretty close. Come on, Em. Let's get back before I get tempted by the fill 'em up fire day specials. <laughs> oh, you're gonna make. We are just we're just pulling them in from all over the place. <laughs> so you guys find Ramona's ship moored at the docks. Gangplank is down. The words Raven's Roost are painted on the back of the ship. It's it's a well-fitted caravel with white sails, and it looks like a fresh coat of paint on the hull. She's it's looking very nice. Imagine just you guys all meet up there. The uh, the ship is 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 ready to board. Unless there's anything, of course, that you would want to collect or do before leaving Kentarko. Probably exchange information, let each other know how our research went. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing else from my end. So, exchange information, uh, I don't think there's anything else I need to do. I kind of came prepped because I knew it was happening. Okay, save the game. <laughs> yeah, this is a good save point. Save point, point. Yep. Save point. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> so imagine you guys are walking up the gangplank and climbing aboard, and if you do, you will see a crew that is busy loading and stowing the last of the cargo. Captain appears to be on the quarterdeck, double-checking his manifest, it looks like. And the first mate who you saw, who this Chalaxian man with this severe look and black hair, is close by directing crewmates. And uh, he notices you guys come aboard and walks up to you. Well, you're clearly the passengers Ramona informed us were to be joined. Are you all prepared for the voyage? Of course we are, Mr. Dexley, if that is your name. It is indeed. I am the first mate of this vessel. Yes, I... I noticed you were in quite a rush earlier. Didn't wish to introduce yourself to us. Yes, there were a few last-minute things that needed securing. If some time-sensitive sense of things, I apologize. I could not stay and chat. Well, that's quite all right. Very understandable, Emiliano. Now you see it. Now you don't demolition. Yes, of course. R- Ramona would, of course, hire you. Yes. And she'll put her hand out to shake it again. Again, I'll shake just begrudgingly. Yeah. A third? Third time? No. Okay, good. That was the only time. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. <laughs> There's only one handshake. <laughs> yes, I, I do believe we have everything we we needed. Although, I do have quite an old, aged mind. Have I forgotten anything? Please speak up. If you have forgotten anything, we can buy it when we get there. No, we can't. <laughs> we don't have two-day delivery to... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the Nozama Corporation can make that happen. Crooked Cove is not a is not a prime location. Quite you excited can't get now. that some quarters of the Kintago Bayou actually have same day delivery now. Are you keeping the grocery list then? I can. Just say, Al, start a list. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was really good. I don't know why. Well, it should be a two to three day journey, depending on the favor of the winds. I'll tell you that now. Uh, we have a full crew on board without you lot, so accommodations may be a bit tight below decks. But rest assured, you won't be required to work or tend to duties on the ship while you're here. If you have any questions, you can ask them now, or otherwise I'll have a deckhand show you to your bunks. We probably should be getting this Mr. Cuthbert to his bunk. It's getting quite late in the afternoon. <laughs> yes, long in the day, as they say. You do have other beds besides hammocks for him, right? 
I get by get it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> to a hammock just fine. It was a night. I have no doubt about you getting in. I'm worried about you getting out. Now see here. <laughs> It'll be quite simple to get out the same way I got in. I'm an early riser. If it takes me extra time, I'll still be out of my bunk before you. <laughs> You're right. They are hammocks. We did. We do have hammock. Extra hammocks for you. I, I, I hope that is okay. We'll make do. What? <laughs> well, if you guys get your affairs uh, in order below decks, being led down there, hammocks, hammocks abound. Uh, it's just like messing with his hammock. Just <laughs> 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 what kind of contraption? Didn't have these in the River Kingdom. <laughs> so after you guys get your affairs in order below decks. Um, if you return topside, you will be greeted with a view of the ship slowly pulling away from the harbor. The sails lowered, sailing out into the bay, leaving the stunning architecture of Cantargo to shrink in size behind you as the ocean opens out before you. And guys, we now have several days of nautical travel in front of us. Wow. Big old, uh, big old uh, ship time. Uh, so what, what do you guys think your characters would be doing during this time? really think that Emiliano would want to stay on the top of the deck often and look at the water, but also not be incredibly close to the edge. And occasionally she would be taking her leg off to perform like regular maintenance while staring at the water in general. Again, like water's kind of her thing, but also it's kind of she lives on land now. Ginto's a working man. Like he, he rolls up his sleeves and gets stuff done. But he's also a man who can appreciate when someone's going to give him a paycheck to sit on his ass. Like he's also he's also like a very practical kind of like, hey, if someone's gonna pay me to take a two-day boat ride, I'm going to enjoy it. So he probably like spends a decent amount of time with his feet up. This is this a cruise ship for you? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All expenses paid. Mm-hmm. Mm. One hammock. Oh, hey. Uh, yeah, maybe get acquainted with this uh, illustrious Burnett's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you were to find that, you would find Cuthbert, especially on the first day, he's kind of positioned himself further away from Emiliano, but you see him staring out at the ocean as well. Uh, maybe wistfully, and he does pull the demon head off the top of his staff, and you see him kind of fidgeting in his robes, and then a little plume of smoke starts coming from his direction. Smoking a bowl out of the demon head? Hey, it's a pipe attached to his... You don't think I'm going to carry a staff around and not go full Gandalf, do you? <laughs> I Are love you it. purposefully avoiding me? At least on the first day, he keeps his distance from you. He's old, and he's seen people kind of lost in their thoughts the way you seem to be. And I think he can probably tell that you're maybe thinking or dealing with something. Okay, cool. That makes me feel better. I was worried this was going to be a weird thing. Like you're afraid of mechanics, but not, but totally fine with Al. <laughs> Al doesn't make a ticking noise. That is true. <laughs> yep. 
Al offers to write a list for him when he's forgotten. (laughs) I think he's going to get a lot of use out of Al. (laughs) Every seven minutes, her cooling fan kicks on. Oh, it's more of a like a liquid cooling system. Oh, like her tattoos—they shiver and move. Yeah, like most bodies. Mm Mm-hmm. My stuff's all handmade, so it's a little clunky. If I hand you a box, your tattoos go from blue to yellow. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, then you just have to ask her what the alert is for. (laughs) (laughs) Also works for weather alerts, too. Could be helpful for the ship. That should happen when we roll initiative. (laughs) Ow, my bones are sore today. What's the weather looking like? Al, could you do me the great service of uh, telling me a joke? I actually have quite the collection of jokes. I find they put other humanoids at ease. Would you mistake. like to hear one? Absolutely. What is green and has wheels? Grass. I lied about the wheels. Teehee. <laughs> <laughs> Across the ship makes a large groan. <laughs> uh, Ginto goes back under decks. A <laughs> headache is better than this. Al is actually maybe trying to put herself at ease uh, with that joke because, and whenever she is topside, she is grabbing onto something. She can respond to the waves fairly well, but she is terrified of like getting close to the edge. She is also very interested in the clockwork leg maintenance. She's not good at reading emotions. Can't tell that M is absorbed into her thoughts and will approach her and just like watch over her shoulder a little too closely. If I notice, I guess. She's very quiet. Yeah, very <laughs> Anyone quiet. Anyone could sleep through it. <laughs> But if I notice, I'm just going to, like, make a hand gesture and point to the other chair. <laughs> she she sits down. Okay. This is quite a technical marvel. You watch as M visibly, like, messes with her ear a little bit, only the one, and then says, Yes, I'm, I made it uh, myself. I've also got a couple other uh, works with me. You are quite skilled. Do you have blueprints for your inventions? They're rough, but uh, I understand them. Hmm. I would love to see them at some point. I make a note to make blueprints to give to her. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You just watch as Emiliana's like processing, oh god, I gotta actually make something now (laughs) in order to pass this along. Where did you learn to make things like this. I spent some time on land after the accident and I couldn't couldn't handle the lack of mobility. Unfortunately, wood is not uh, not an ideal substitute. Had to start uh, figuring out another solution. Very true. There is so much that can be achieved with technology. There is so much I do not yet know, even of my own workings. How long have you been built? Is that okay? I do not know how long this body has been in existence. I have been inhabiting it 
for around 25 years. That's a long time. So Emiliano actually will pull out uh, some of her other various, like, clockworky type gear. Not quite clockworky, but, like, gear she makes. And let you see that. So one of the things is a, like, a clockwork grappling gun that she messes with. So she'll bring that out and say, would you like to take a look? A what now? A grappling gun. (laughs) I Uh, know. Al is very intrigued. This would make quite a good tool to investigate ruins. Be careful and do not point it at your face. Al, like, holds it at arm's length, but is still trying to look at it. And don't point it at anyone else. Or anywhere near your eyelids. (laughs) 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 This technology is quite impressive. I would love to take the blueprints back to the Nozama Corporation. Do you agree? You watch as Emiliano very visibly is like, oh god, this is another one. Uh, <laughs> you have to accept all cookies in terms of conditions. <laughs> It'll take me some time when we get back to get the blueprints. I do not bring them with me. That is acceptable. I okay. <laughs> cannot pay you much, but I'm sure we can come to some sort of agreement. That sounds good. I uh, wasn't planning on sharing any of them. Need to make blueprints. <laughs> <laughs> there is much that can be learned from technology of all kind. One day, it can be used for a greater purpose. What kind of greater purpose? Is that a question for me or for the Nozama Corporation? I think maybe we'll start with you. I would like to, one day, return to the stars, find the answers to where my people came from. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) That's probably a lot for somebody who probably doesn't understand space travel. Like, <laughs> 99% of Galarian individuals. I mean, Al doesn't understand either. That's what <laughs> she's trying to figure out. I just would like to paint the picture of Emiliana, who figured out how to make the leg work, has figured out how to do this stuff on her own as the time has passed. It's just been like, yeah, I'm going to go back to the stars. Yeah, that's an escalation. (laughs) Right. And I've been around for 25 years. I'm pretty sure Emiliano didn't realize, like, this was a thing that just existed. Al can maybe sense that there's something going on, even though she can't pinpoint the exact emotions. My people have many questions about where we are from. I may not be here for long on this plane, But this body will last after me, and the next inhabitant can continue the mission. I guess my leg could be passed along too, huh? Uh, You're from the stars. Um, I'm from the water. And yet, we are very similar. Yes, uh, I'm not planning to go back at this point, though. Uh, I guess if I find anyone who knows how to travel to the stars, I'll have to ask them more questions. I'm a little worried. I would be very interested in talking to them. The Technic League would also have great interest and would find great value in that person. I will keep a note. Uh, I'm I'm going to continue working here on my leg. Uh, 
Do you, do you have any other questions? That is all for this time. That, uh, that seems best. Do you want the gun for a little bit? I would love to study it. Emiliano's going to make a very visible, like, I'm going to keep working because <laughs> I have just gotten a lot at once. Al will take the gun back below deck and bring out some paper and, like, start drawing some blueprints for it. Oh, perfect. Oof, got to take that off my list then. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So we have two people hard at work, each with their own little devices. Tick, tick. <laughs> what's what's Cuthbert up to? Cuthbert can, you know, most days, I guess this is a couple days long journey, be found above deck. He seems to be fairly comfortable for an old man on the deck of this ship. He seems to be using his cane less. But most of the time he is kind of smoking his pipe and looking out at the ocean. Other times the waves kind of drift him off to old man sleep which he's easily roused from by anyone that walks within five or ten feet of him or if he gets a whiff of something particularly pungent but I think that's where he would be found perhaps somebody does walk within ten or fifteen feet of him perhaps it's Ginto Bird Eater he sees you smoking your pipe and he walks up behind you and walks up next to you hello my friend Perhaps you could help me out here, for I need a light. And he's got a cigarillo. (laughs) Cigarillo. I've seen those. Uh, Yes, of course. Uh, Yeah, just one moment. And he kind of... And a spark emits from his fingertip. And he lights it. So you're one of the magical variety. Uh, Well... (laughs) When you're as aged as I am, you don't get by on being a knight anymore. I had to find a way to be useful. Ginto's eyes kind of glitter a little bit. He's got this half smile, puts a cigarillo in his mouth, leans in, and inhales to kind of over over the flame to light the cigarillo, takes a puff, makes sure it's lit, lets out his, uh, his exhale. Now, my friend, I am from... Far, far away. My people come from the south side of the Mwangi. It's uh, funny you would mention that. Yeah. I clocked you pretty early as someone also from Garou, but probably a northern neighbor of mine. What are you doing all the way up in Apistan? Uh, Ginto, I've led a long life. I was actually just thinking the first time I was on a ship was when I left the Mwangi. Uh, not under as exciting of circumstances as we find ourselves in now, but uh, my... Now you say your people are of the Mwangi. Uh, what people do you hail from? I've known quite a many peoples. Kaliji uh, elves, uh, the Bekia, you know, many groups but I haven't seen many who hail from my area that look quite like you. That's quite understandable, because the people at home that are like me don't look like this. I'm traditionally a shape-changer. Take a look. And I will mechanically spend three actions 
<laughs> uh, transform into my spider form. And when I do, Ginto looks still vaguely humanoid, kind of two arms, two legs. But if we're talking different types of spiders, he's a, a, a more of a gangly spider, not like a tarantula that's kind of chunky, maybe like a recluse or something. Um, and I don't have a second voice. Not so. a bird eater? I don't know what a bird eater looks like. They're big old tarantulas. Well, They're really large. Oh, you're from the Anadi peoples. That is correct, my friend. Well, it's good to see your true face. And at this, Cuthbert would reach out his hand to your, to yours. Yeah, it's kind of like a claw on the end of a mandible, I think. Uh, but he extends that forward and shakes. Pleasure to make your face-to-face acquaintance. Well... I've I've traveled quite some way. I've been looking most of my life for a pack. I lost mine back back in our homeland. Well, <laughs> they lost me, I suppose, or we disagreed. And he would kind of pull up his robe, like the sleeve of his robe, and you would see that there's a band across his forearm that is just burned and there's no fur that grows there forgive me if i'm being quite too forward but perhaps you could tell me what happened i'm sorry to hear you being separated from your tribe or family at all uh in in the tribes of my people uh, there are two punishments that one can have two capital punishments that is one is death and the more extreme one is exile. And this is the mark of exile that they give to gnolls like me who will never be welcomed at home again. I hope there was not some sort of terrible crime that led you to be exiled, because we are now business partners. <laughs> and I have just showed you that I am not a human. Well, the, the things considered crimes by my people are... Not quite crimes to the rest of the world, as I've learned in many of my travels, but you could call it a crime of passion. <laughs> I was a young man once, and I fell in love with a Kaliji elf, believe it or not. Is such sort of interspecies relations not something that your people supports? Well, not quite, but when your people are enemies with theirs, then, well, there is a bit of a conflict of interest. And you could say, love makes us, well, fools of us all. (laughs) I'm the biggest fool around. But love made me turn on my people once, and they turned their backs on me in exchange. I couldn't help but notice that when I met you in the tavern, you were not accompanied by a collegial. Is she at home somewhere, or...? <laughs> no. Her bones are still somewhere in the Mwangi, I'm sure. And at that statement, Ginto looks out over the waves of the sea and the sun reflecting off of them and takes a long drag from the cigarillo, now looking like a spider and less like a silver fox Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> Um, and blows out a big cloud, exhales. Love does make us do crazy things. I'm quite sorry to hear that it drove a wedge between you and your people, and that 
Your lover didn't survive. Do you ever miss it back there? Did you spend much time in the Mwangi? I, I find that the further and longer I've been away, the more I think about it. I find the more that time goes by, the more I think about it, but very unlike you, I have little memory of the Mwangi. I was taken away as a very young child. I grew up in Ravenool, and I am familiar with living under oppression and people not agreeing with who you are. I lived through the rebellion that swept through the city of Kintago. The bayou, as I call it. <laughs> yes, I've heard you say as much. I have kept my identity a secret who I really am, but they're more welcoming now than they ever have been. Certainly House Throom did not approve of people like myself. I imagine not. No, no, no. But I'd like to go back one day, find my native peoples. That would be an interesting journey for you. I feel... My time for returning home has passed, unfortunately, but I wish you well if you ever make it back. I would never count yourself out, my friend. Perhaps, maybe, those who transgressed against you are long dead. Maybe there are gnolls back home who would like seeing an elder return. Not many reach my age, at least <laughs> of my kind, so you might be right. If, you, was... if you can't beat up, maybe... Outlivenum's quite better. Well, Outlivenum hasn't come without a price, I'm sure. I saw you having a lot of trouble getting in and out of the hammock. <laughs> that plastic contraption. I, I never slept in a hammock in the Mwangi. Then, in the River Kingdoms, I at least, at least had a pile of hay or something like that I could lay down in. This, it sways and it... Who... I've been on a ship before, but usually, usually I'm in the cargo. I mean, my back feels like quite the devil this morning. I I've can't imagine. Laying, I tried laying straight on the ground. That usually fixes it. Well, you when you lay on a flat board, but... Well, on a sailing ship, my friend, you're going to be rolling around on that. Yeah, and sometimes that feels comforting, but like... To each their own, I guess. It's been, it's been tough. And Ginto's nodding... Drawing on the cigarillo. Yeah, you see the little two little trails of smoke. So is this, like, I want to make sure I understood what Ginto was saying. Is this one of the first times he's showing people? No, he's... No, okay. No, he, he's more open to showing somebody else clearly from the Mwangi, but after the events of one sort of rebellious against the people of Hell campaign, the the country of Ravenul and the city of Kintargo has been a little bit more accepting to outsiders and other people like himself. Yeah, it's fine. It's just you're on the, like, deck of the ship, which means I'm sure I probably would have reached for my weapon scene in Giant Spider. And <laughs> well, the thing is, he did the... Been like, he did the, like, middle form, so, like, if he's in clothes and stuff, it's really only his face that changes. Yeah. Right, I, I get that. It's just that we're facing the ocean. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> and with that, with our adventurers on the boat, reminiscing over memories and journeys past, the sun slowly setting over the ocean as the ship sails onward to a new adventure. We will pick up this malevolent adventure next time. All right, yeah. it's about to get spooky. Yeah. <laughs>
Eats Laughter Productions is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Malevolence is copyright 2021. Malevolence and Pathfinder Adventure are trademarks of Paizo. Paizo, Pathfinder, and their respective logos, characters, and artwork are property of Paizo and used with permission.